0: The big game is coming up on Sunday. Kyrie Irving tried to break the NBA with a trade and Katie said, hold my beer. Derek Carr is visiting the Saints. How do all these trades affect the small market Southern teams? And is Roger Goodell out here really thinking that officiating is at a high level? It's time for NBA trade and championship special episode for Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Sermon, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake So 14. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, your home for all things sports in different forms and variety. Joining me later on in Christy's Corners, my co-host, Christine. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok, at ChristyMirrorie underscore double zero. Wow, you know, that's just the best way to put it. You know, trade deadline just finished up at the time of this recording And this has been an amazing trade deadline week. I mean, everything was amazing all over the place. And whoever planned for this to happen at the same time as arguably the biggest game of the NFL deserves a medal. I mean, you know, they give them a raise, give them a medal. I mean, we got to see something like this happen last year when not only did you see the Pelicans trade for CJ McCollum, Or, as some fans will say, the Larry Nance Jr. trade, but we know really what happened. And then you got to see the Rams beat the Bengals. I think it's terrific. Now, you might be wondering, why can we not say the word SB or, you know, that phrase? Well, it's copyrighted. You know, it's marketed as one of the biggest games in the world. And because Lamar Hunt came up with the idea for the name, we can call it anything but his official name on this podcast. Also, we don't really want to be sued because that would be really bad to hear. So I'm very sorry about that. But moving on, it's been a great week. You know, you had media day. You had all the players interviewed. Everything is looking great. And then before that, you also had, like we said, the Kyrie Irving trade. Now, Luka Doncic is still out. We don't know how much longer he's going to be out. Apparently, he's questionable for the next upcoming game. Mm. But, you know, Kyrie looked really good in his first game on the Mavericks. However, it's one game. This does not mean that the Mavericks are going to win the finals. It doesn't mean that they are going to be the top team in the West because it's one game. It comes down to how Kyrie and Luca are going to coexist. And at this time, we really don't know what's gonna happen. But, you know, it was a great game. You know, you were playing against the Clippers. Clippers are a pretty good team. And, you know, you go out there and win without one of your best players, if not your best player. So I think with this, it's a terrific time for everything. But there are so many other trades that happened. And, you know, we're gonna try and break them all down, but I don't know if we can. But in standard Jake's take fashion, and we haven't said this in a while, where to begin, where to begin, where to begin. Oh man, I've not said that in so long and I've missed it. So first and foremost, I think the one place that we need to start actually is a trade that happened before the deadline. That was going to be between the Lakers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Utah Jazz with Russell Westbrook. Being traded to the Utah Jazz and the Lakers getting Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell. I like the idea of getting Malik Beasley and them getting Jared Vanderbilt. That idea of getting D'Angelo Russell is so stupid beyond stupid. Because not only did you have D'Angelo Russell on your team, but he was such a menace in the locker room. And people complained about him. Now they're excited to have him back. I don't understand this. Christy, I know that you told me that there is drama in the NBA. I'm not surprised here. Now, I do like that the Minnesota Timberwolves are getting two guards and three second-round picks. That's terrific. However, I don't know how to grade this trade, but I also know that I'm seeing reports right now that the Lakers are saying how Russell Westbrook was a vampire in the locker room. So you really think that Russell Westbrook is... You know, the downgrade, and then you get D'Angelo Russell, that's obviously an opposite mix. Russell Westbrook is a terrific player, but right now, the locker room in LA is pretty bad because, you know, there's reports of, well, why didn't Anthony Davis stand up during LeBron's record-breaking point? Why does that matter? You know, let him do what he wants to do. No one should care, but of course, we're going to look into everything. So I think with this right now, it's very important for us to see really what happened and also really what could be moving forward. That was one of the first trades that we saw on February 8th. Then afterwards, we saw another trade coming up too with the New York Knicks getting Josh Hart and the Portland Trailblazers getting Cam Reddish. I'm not even going to try and attempt those other names because I can't say it right. But we'll break down those more later. But it was proceeding and preparing us for an insane deadline for the NBA trade deadline. Now, I did mention how there was going to be a trade that one-upped the other trades that we saw on Wednesday, and that all happened because everyone woke up to the news of Kevin Durant being traded to the Phoenix Suns. Now, shout out to my friend Max, who's a huge Phoenix Suns fan, but here's the thing that happened as well. With the Phoenix Suns, they gave up so much to get Kevin Durant. Now, with this, Kevin Durant is a terrific player, and I'm very impressed that they were able to get him, especially having a brand new owner operator of it. But here's what they gave up they gave up Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first round picks, and a 2028 pick swap. Now you're getting Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. Kevin Durant is going to be great. You're going to plug him in. He'll play great next to Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, CP3. But then after that, you have a lot of question marks too. Because right now, we haven't seen anything that has made us see that DeAndre Ayton can play a full season, Devin Booker can play a full season, or CP3, you know, getting up in age. So the talent is there, but... You traded away a player who had not only not missed a game in so long in McCall Bridges, but Cameron Johnson is a terrific three-point shooter. So you're getting rid of getting rid of one of your top three-point shooters and your top defender. That's definitely pretty hard to notice. So I think with this, you know, it's a really it's a decent trade, but I don't know how to feel about it. Also, I do want to preface this. What is it with New York teams and loving forwards? A very similar thing happened a few years ago where the Knicks signed Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, and Julius Randle, and they all played the same position. Now, not only does the... Nets have some great assets for the future. They have more wing players than anything else. I don't know how that happens, and I don't know what they're planning on, because if they're trying to run a lineup of five forwards, one, count me in, and two, maybe that might not work, but who knows? So right now, Phoenix gave up a lot, but it's just that they want to compete. This is a team that has made the playoffs. This is a team that's made it to the finals. They could possibly be successful, But the only thing stopping this team right now is health and the West. More on that later. Right now, if they can continue to stay healthy and play at a dominant level, they will be fine. But you also have four players now who command the ball and command respect. So how are they all going to fit together with Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant isn't a ball hog, but still, he is a number one Pick, he's the number one option. He plays like he's the number one option. That's what he's always done. How is Monty Williams going to draw plays for him? How is he going to make sure that everyone is successful in regards to playing with Kevin Durant? How is he going to match with DeAndre Ayton? How is he going to match with Devin Booker at CB3? More on that later. But I think with this, it's a pretty good pick, but they did give up a lot. So they are expecting to win, and we'll just have to see how things go. Now, Should Brooklyn tank now that they have traded away basically most of their team? I don't think so. I feel like McCall Bridges is still going to have you win games. Same with Cameron Johnson. They already traded away Jay Crowder. I mean, Jay Crowder had not played at all this year because he was mad that Cameron Johnson took his spot. But I still think with this, it is a chance where this team can still do pretty well. Maybe they'll make the playoffs. Maybe they won't. But it's still pretty sad because, you know, this is a team that gave up so much to get James Harden there. And, you know, they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And all they really got from that was a series playoff win. So it doesn't really look too, too good right now. But I think with this, this trade definitely one-upped Kyrie. And I know Kyrie is probably pissed because he's thinking, oh, man, I finally got... A fresh start, I'm in Dallas now, and nothing can stop this, and then boom, your former teammate comes up and says, nope, I'm going to one-up this, everyone's going to wake up and be more excited about this, and in a sense, I mean, it kind of was. I mean, sorry, but the KD news is much more exciting than the Kyrie news. And with it being Friday, you couldn't think that we would forget about Christie's Corner. Drop a like and drop in to see what Christy has to share in regards to some upcoming trends in the NFL. If she's watching basketball, and if she's not, that's okay. And what she thinks about all these news and events that are going on with Roger Goodell and potentially how the NFL Combine is bad for players. As always, the floor is yours, Christy.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Christy's Corner. We've got a lot of hot topics today. Kind of going to be all over the place a little bit. But they're all pressing issues and some game-changing things. So we've been talking recently a lot about coaching hires and fires. But something we have not talked about is coaches staying put. And there's a big one that just came out. So we've got Mike Norville, who is the head coach at Florida State. Um, he just signed an extension, and it's not a super long one. It's a three-year extension, but it came with a big price tag. So he's going to be getting $8.5 million per year, and that's going to make him the second highest-paid coach in the ACC, um, right behind Dabo Sweeney. So that's huge. Now, Mike Norville, I do think he deserves the extension, does he deserve to be the second highest coach in the ACC? I'm not sure I'd go that far, but he has done some huge things for Florida State. So they have had their first double digit season with wins since 2016, and they ended their season 10 and 3, which is huge for Florida State. I think maybe they could have even been ranked higher than they were. And they finished out their season. Um, by winning the their bowl game against Oklahoma. They won 35-32, to 32, and that was their first postseason win since 2017. So I'm kind of surprised from FSU to be paying that much to this coach only because they've kind of put themselves in a hole. They're still paying one of their ex-coaches, Willie Taggart. They're paying his buyout until... January of next year and he's been getting 4.25 million for being fired and doing nothing and having a losing season. So that part does surprise me a little bit with this new coach and how much they're going to pay him, but I like this and I think it's going to set a precedent for college teams. I feel like most teams if you don't go undefeated or make it into the playoffs You're getting fired, whether it's the head coach, the O C, the D C and they're improving. They still lost some games, but they had a winning record, 10-3. and And I think that says a lot. Not everybody can be undefeated. Not all college teams can be in the playoffs. Right now, it's just the four-team playoff. So that's hard. And I don't think it's right to just fire all of these coaches because they didn't make it into the playoffs. So I think Florida State made the right decision here. So another hot topic is... Our favorite person in the NFL, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, and I hope you could hear my sarcasm there. We all know he gets booed a lot. So we have seen some awful officiating this year. If you've watched any NFL game, no one's going to argue that point except for Roger. He said that he does not think it's ever been better, and he's talking about the officiating. He said this year in the league. The officiating has never been better. Now, we all saw lots of high-impact officiating scenarios, especially most recently with the AFC Championship game. The whole debacle with the third down and replaying that and just how the whole thing panned out. And Aaron Rodgers kind of went on the rebuttal, and he was blaming the poor quality of the different officiating teams. On losing them to TV jobs. And he specifically mentioned Gene Steratore. Who we all know from all the NFL games as the TV rules analyst. Um, I mean he breaks down all of the calls and usually gets them right. Uh, Now these people that he's talking about losing to TV aren't necessarily officials on the field. But they're officials in the office who train these referees. So I would tend to agree with Aaron Rodgers on this. I think the training needs to improve. I think the quality of the officials needs to improve. And there really needs to stop being this gray area with these rules. These rules need to be black and white. And there shouldn't be any wiggle room. It either is or it isn't a penalty. And I don't want to see the NFL get to a point where we are replaying and watching and reviewing every single call that these officiants make because that's their job and we're supposed to trust them. But at some point, we do lose that trust, especially when these calls are being made in such high-impact games. So I don't think we're going to see any changes next year with Roger Goodell being in charge still. So until somebody says something to him and he really decides to listen, I think we're going to still see these kinds of shaky calls, unfortunately. So we have talked somewhat about the trade and the draft coming up, but we have a quarterback who decided, well, he's not officially gone with the Raiders. And I'm talking about Derek Carr. So the Raiders and Derek Carr have until February 15th to figure out what they're going to do. If the Raiders have not let go or not traded Derek Carr after that, they owe him a guarantee of $40.4 million. So that's a big push to make a decision. And that's next week. That's next Wednesday. Um, Derek Carr was seen visiting the Saints facility this week. He had a meeting on Wednesday. Which I'm not sure when that meeting started. But I know that it lasted till 10.30pm. And they were making a big deal about how late it ran. So I think there was some good talks there. And I think this is a big move for the Saints. Their biggest need I think was a quarterback. And I think they could if they land Derek Carr I think they should pick a running back in the draft now they have Alvin Kamara but he had some off-season arrest trouble last year and I think a suspension is coming from that so I think if they can land Derek Carr and get a decent top tier running back I look for the Saints to maybe even make the playoffs next year so once our already current NFL players get traded or land where they're going to land, we're all going to be looking at the combine to see who's who, who teams are looking at, who they're interested in. But could this be the last NFL combine we ever watch? That's what the NFL Players Association Executive Director would like to see. So De Maurice Smith, he was talking about the structure of the combine, and he mentioned that this happens during the last semester in college for most of these players. You have to be invited. You basically have to waive all your medical rights. You go in there, literally get physical after physical. You have to get MRIs. And he said you have to be evaluated by team doctors, and it's not for positive reasons. They're basically trying to find things wrong with your body and it's decreasing your draft value. So why we are putting our players through this when teams already know how fast you can run, how high you can jump, how far you can throw a ball, how accurate you are at catching. I don't know. And he's right. I've always loved the combine. I like watching what these players can do. But he has a point. We already know all these things about these players and what they can do. And we know what teams want who. So what is the real point of a combine? He suggested that we have maybe some regional pro days, which I'm not sure how different that would look from a combine. He didn't go into details. And then there was kind of a controversial statement that went along With this take, and it was from the president of football operations where he compared the NFL Combine to a slave auction. I'm not sure those words are appropriate. I do understand the connotation he was going for. I just don't like to compare anything to a situation like that. I don't think it's the same obviously he's saying like you have one guy in the middle of the arena and all your big wigs watching him basically seeing how much they're gonna pay for him. So I get it but I don't agree with those choice words. But on to the Super Bowl of course because it's coming this weekend and there's some interesting things that could change the way this is gonna shape out. So I do think we truly have the best two teams from the NFL playing, and I think this is going to be a close game. I could even maybe call for um, overtime and maybe the kick, the last kick or a field goal winning the game. So if the Chiefs win, I think it's going to be because of Mahomes. I think he would win MVP. MVP. I think he would have to save it. I don't think the Chiefs' defense is strong enough to solely stop the Eagles with Jalen and Smitty and all of the weapons they have on their offense. So I think Mahomes would have to pull out some crazy stops, of course, with Travis Kelsey. Now, if the Eagles win, I think because they can run their offense without any issue, the speed that they have on defense is ridiculous, and I think if they win, I think we're going to see Jalen have the MVP there, unless Smitty does something crazy, which we all know is possible. Um, I'm predicting an Eagles win. I just think they're stronger. I think they can play a full four quarters better than the Chiefs. Now, um, something with the Chiefs that we need to look out for is there is an illness running rampant through their locker room. So it was reported that Chris Jones was under the weather and that a few other players were now contracting whatever this illness is it said I think it said like stuffiness congestion sore throat I know here where I live strep throat is running the course so it kind of sounds like a strep throat deal to me which can really take a toll on you I mean you get fatigue you get weakness and we're pretty close to the big game so we'll see who it affects next and if anyone has to sit out because of this illness that's running through the locker room that could change a lot of things too so keep up with that story in tuesday's episode we talked about lots of coordinators in the nfl moving getting fired getting hired um we have some more that happened this week and then we have some head coach positions that are still open to look out for. So we had a big hire from the 49ers. They hired a defensive coordinator and they actually picked Steve Wilkes, who we knew as the interim head coach for the Panthers. I think this was a great call. I think what he was able to come in and do with the Panthers and really finish out strong with them, with what he had was amazing. So I look for him to really have a good year next year with the 49ers in their defense. For the Titans, they promoted Tim Kelly for their OC. I like that for the Titans. I think they needed someone who knew the culture and the team and came from the inside. So two teams that are still looking for a head coach. We have the Cardinals, and I look for them to hire Mike Kafka, who was the Giants offensive coordinator. They do have a second interview scheduled with him, so I think we'll hear something soon from them. And the Colts also needed head coach. So I have three names on my board for the coach. I have Shane Steichen, who is the Eagles offensive coordinator. Obviously, he's busy. They do have a second interview scheduled for him, but I'm sure that's going to come after this Super Bowl game. Uh, Brian Callahan is another name. He's the Bengals offensive coordinator. And since the Bengals did not make it to the Super Bowl, I feel like they if they wanted him or if they were going to hire him. I feel like that announcement would have already been made, but I don't know for sure. And then we have Jeff Saturday, who is the interim head coach. They've completed all of the interviews with him. So again, it's one that I feel like if they knew for sure they were going for him, that we would have already heard that news. So I really look for Shane Steichen to maybe take this position. And I've got one last piece of information for you because you know I'm a Patriots fan. So Matthew Judon from the Patriots, he's huge for recruiting his friends and other current NFL players. Of course, he was at the Pro Bowl and he was spotted talking to Derrick Henry and they both actually happened to be mic'd up. And Derrick Henry asked him what it was like to be in New England and play for the Patriots. And of course, Matthew Judon You know, talked it up, and the Patriots fans went wild with this. I would love to see Derrick Henry on the Patriots offense, especially with Damian Harris, especially with Mac Jones, and with Bill O'Brien coming back there. I could see him working that offense. Now, this is just complete speculation, complete talk. I don't actually see it going anywhere. But I would love it, and it would be another. You heard it here first. So we will recap the Super Bowl next week with you. Bye.
0: As always, thank you so much for your wonderful insight there, Christy. And it is exciting that we have a lot going on this weekend, especially when it comes to the big game. And we've got a lot of coaches who want to move around, but some coaches who also want to stay put. I like that. Now, obviously, we have the NFL combine coming up. So keep your eye out on some small players from Southern schools and kind of see what they're up to, because, you know, this is the time where they can really impact really everything. But moving on back to the NBA trades, we had a lot of trades, especially some that really didn't make sense. Especially because everyone seems to really like the idea of trading second round picks. You know, you had a lot of teams that were supplying five or four first round, I mean, second round picks. That was just very interesting to me. And obviously, you know, with it, we were seeing different teams try and do something new, especially with the Phoenix Suns trading away four first round picks. But then afterwards, you know, the Brooklyn Nets were looking at trade scenarios with Jay Crowder. And then later on, it was just adapting into so many different things. You know, the L.A. Lakers were trading Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets for Devon Reed and three second round picks. And then the Milwaukee Bucks acquired Jay Crowder. Later on, we had a big trade between the Portland Trailblazers the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Charlotte Hornets. And that was another thing, too, is that with the Charlotte Hornets, I was very surprised that they were trading away many of their players because right now this was a team that isn't doing too too well. And then later on, I was seeing how more and more teams were seemingly moving on so quickly from their younger players. I mean, I saw the Golden State Warriors trading James Wiseman to the Detroit Pistons for Sadiq Bay, And then, obviously, the Atlanta Hawks were trading Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky to the Houston Rockets. And then there was some other weird stuff, too. You know, the Orlando Magic was trading Mo Bamba to the Lakers for Patrick Beverly. But then you also had players going all over the place. You know, the L.A. Lakers, I mean, the Clippers were getting Eric Gordon Danny Green was going to Houston, and then Luke Kennard was going to the Grizzlies, and then there were three second-round picks sent to the Clippers. So it was really just kind of so many different places, really. And then Reggie Jackson was going to Charlotte, and then he's expected to be bought out. Mason Plumlee went to the Clippers from the Charlotte Hornets. So everyone's getting moved around. Josh Hart went to the Knicks. A lot of three-team trades. Bone Tylen went to the Clippers. Now, here's the biggest thing when it comes to these trades. How many of these teams are in the win-now mentality? Now, there are different types of teams when it comes to the trade market. Those who are trying to buy and those who are trying to sell. A lot of these teams not only improve their opportunities to win in the playoffs or win the finals, but they also found a way to make things look a lot better. So I think with this, they not only improved their chances, but they also wanted to make sure that they are not only performing much better moving forward. Now, the approach doesn't work necessarily on everyone. You know, not every team is going to find a great player diamond in the rough. It just happens. But keep your eye out on some of these players. You know, anything can really happen. And, you know, with Houston trying to get back some of their old players or Phoenix getting Kevin Durant or just getting some well-established veterans, it can actually benefit a lot of these players. So who knows? The second half of the NBA season can be pretty exciting. And finally, we're going to break down some trades for the Southern small market. So first and foremost, we had a lot of trades, like a lot of trades. I mean, I was just watching... NBA on TNT and Charles Barkley saying how much fun he had witnessing all these trades. There were a lot of trades. Now, the biggest thing that comes down to it were what are these trades going to mean for the small market teams? Well, obviously, we mentioned how Atlanta had generated away Justin Holiday as one of their players, but you also have to think about how there are some teams who did some reshaping, really. I mean, you look at the Charlotte Hornets trading away Mason Plumlee, who's a very good center, but he is a little bit older there. Or how the Atlanta Hawks are trading away Justin Holliday and Frank Kaminsky. Or you're looking at how Charlotte was trading away and participating in a three-team trade. And how John Collins is on the table for Atlanta Hawks when nothing happened there or in Memphis when they traded away Danny Green or how they eventually were able to get another backup center for some help there so anything was really possible and happening and it kind of just all seemed to make things come together and I mean you got Luke Kennard And then there are the Pelicans, where the Pelicans, you know, weren't expected to be big into shopping, and they eventually, you know, got rid of Devontae Graham for Josh Richardson, and they did it when it came down to to a division rival. As a Pelicans fan, do I like the trade? I mean, you know, they didn't need to make a big splash. They have a good team. I know that right now people are saying, well, they can't be healthy. And, you know, B.I. just came back, but Zion's still out. Devonte Graham has not been good for the Pelicans this year. You know, he lost his minutes to Kyra Lewis and Jose Alvarado. You bring in a player who can do well in the pick and roll, who can do well on defense, and can come off the bench for Trey Murphy or give some additional shooting or some defense. Now, we don't know if he's going to play right away, because right now he's listed to as day-to-day. So we don't know if he's going to play when they play the Cavaliers. But, I mean, he does have a good potential. And he's also cheap. You know, he's only one year left on his contract. Now think about how they did that similar with Tony Snell last year. You know, you got in CJ McCollum, you got in Larry Nance, and then you bring in Tony Snell. And Tony Snell wasn't the big name. But with it, you know, you also were able to get a more identity for this team and it could work. Now, really, with it though, you know, there were just some definitely questionable trades because everyone's trading away so many picks and no one really knows why and no one really is understanding it. So I was definitely kind of up there too. Now, these are going to definitely affect the playoffs. Like I said, you know, these teams want to make it into the playoffs. But there's also one team that needs to be put at blame for the Western Conference wanting to make all these changes, and that is the Memphis Grizzlies. Because after John Moran said, I'm not worried about the West, you have all these teams who are now starting to look really good, especially on paper. Just to break it down, how the West looks when it comes to the records. Right now, you've got the Denver Nuggets with 38 wins. Followed by the Memphis Grizzlies with 33 wins. Afterwards, you have not only the Sacramento Kings with 31, but the LA Clippers with 31. Then you have the Dallas Mavericks the Phoenix Suns, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, all with 30 points, followed by the New Orleans Pelicans with 29 wins. Sorry, I said points, I meant wins. The point being is that you have so many teams who are one or two games behind each other, ranging from third through eighth place. And then right now, looking at it two, you have the Memphis Grizzlies who are two and eight, in their last 10 games. So, if they lose another game or two, they can lose their spot to the Kings or to the Mavericks or to the Clippers or maybe even to the Suns. Or I, I might sound optimistic, but maybe the Pelicans. The point being is that right now the West has become very competitive and it's gonna be looking that way. Now, speaking of the East, Shaw want a tank. Uh, maybe? I mean, right now, you know, they are doing a very standard approach of being really weird because they are wanting to trade away their players, and they're trying to rebuild. But this is also a team that said, oh, we weren't going to be active in the trade deadline, and then they were. Atlanta looked good. They had a win over the Phoenix Suns. But Atlanta has struggled with consistency. They are a team that is always going to be around 500. So who are really their two best shots making the playoffs right now? Right now, it's looking like it's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies. The Pelicans are looking good. And once Zion gets back, they'll continue to look better. But right now, I think it's going to be New Orleans, Memphis, and Atlanta in the playoffs. Now, I know it's very early to say but right now, the West is going to be very tight. The East, I don't know. But that's the excitement of the trade deadline is that we get to see all these wonderful things happen and see how we can improve and see what's in the future for us. But that's going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support we couldn't have done it without everything that y'all have done. You can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Amazon music. We're basically on all podcast platforms. And as always, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, Jake's still14. You can find Christy on Instagram and TikTok at Christy Marie underscore double zero. As always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network. Be sure to check out our bonfire page because we have merch for Jake's Take. I'm so excited. We've got some hoodies, we've got some t shirts. Maybe one day we'll get some hats. I don't know, but I am so excited. And as always, thank you so much for making sure that we are some of your listens each day. You know, we appreciate y'all spending your time with us. It's been terrific. And as always, as always, we couldn't be here without you. Drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, share this with your friends. All the time and devotion does not go unnoticed. And as always, as always, enjoy what's coming up on Sunday. You know we have gonna have a really big game. Order some beat ups. Order some wings. Order something. You know, treat yourself as you heard on Parks and Rec. But anyways, continue to be great. Be the best version of you, you can be. Be light in this world. Bring happiness to others. And like I said, be light in this world. The world is still a scary place, and we need some excitement and some hugs there. And as always, we will see and hear from you all later. Take care.